Welcome to Slaying the Sale, a podcast full of practical real-life sales lessons that you wish you learned in business school. Your host, Kyle, is a two-time best-selling author, creator of the Slaymaker Method, and in each episode, he and his guests will be answering the tough questions around sales, lead generation, and all things business to help you transform your sales mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Kyle Slaymaker. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slaying the Sale. Not exactly sure when this one's going to air, but this is the first guest recording I've done in quite some time since everything went crazy. Um, But I've got a pretty awesome guest today. I actually met him at last year's Slaymaker Success Summit, um, which by now you probably have all heard the episode of and the story behind that. And he's got a pretty cool story to tell. So I am going to allow him to introduce himself, but let's give it up for Michael Cotter. Mike, go ahead. Hey, guys. I hope everybody's doing good. So I've never been on a podcast before. <laughs> um, so you just want me to tell a little bit about my story, Kyle? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, yeah. Just give a brief intro about you, and we'll we'll be off to the races. I mean, like, like he said, my name is uh, Michael Cotter, and... Uh, I, uh, I've spent half my life being, um, to say unsuccessful would be to, I don't even know, uh, what the, what the word would be, but it wouldn't describe it correctly. Uh, I would say it's an understatement to say unsuccessful. I spent a lot of my school career in special classes, occupational therapy, medication, you know, um, when I was, um, 16 or 17 years old, I had a job coach. You know, so somebody comes to work with you and helps you keep your job, basically, because I just couldn't get it together in my life for various reasons, you know. And, you know, by the time I was 18 years old, it was decided that I would not graduate high school. It was decided that I would go on this program. I think they call it the work program where you leave school early every day and you get credits for the hours that you work. And I got my diploma when I was 19 and proceeded to do very little with my life. Um you know, uh, substance abuse and alcoholism, I'll be honest, those play a little bit of part of my story, but that's not why we're here. I uh, eventually moved away to York, Pennsylvania, which is how I know Kyle from uh, the Success Summit, which is like 20 minutes from here. And I spent most of the time getting fired from or quitting various factory jobs, restaurants, pretty much any job I got, I either fi- I either got fired or quit before I could keep it. And my father, he had the same job for many decades, and I always wished I could be just like him. And I remember I was working at Yorktown Hotel, and I got fired again, and I really liked that job. And my dad was proud of me, and I was telling him all about it, and I got fired. And I walked out of that hotel in tears with my last paycheck in my hand, thinking, I can't tell my father that I lost another job. What am I going to do? And I made a phone call to a friend asked if he was hiring at this mortgage company in Maryland. I didn't even know what a mortgage was. He said, yes, he's hiring. So I drove down there. I got the interview and I got the job. And uh, we had a two-week training class. And they said, does anybody have any questions? And I raised my hand and because I was taught to ask questions if you don't know. And I said, what's a mortgage? And everybody laughed at me. I didn't know what that meant. I've never had a a driver's license or a car or a cell phone bill in my name or a bank account in my name or anything in my life because I was so inept at living. 
because I had such a negative mindset. And I was looking around that class and there was like 20 or 30 people. And I was thinking, damn, all of these people are smarter than me. They're better than me. They're more qualified for this job. I'm probably going to be gone by the end of the week if I'm lucky. And slowly but surely over that two-week period, that class got cut down from 20 to three. And I was one of the three. And I remember we were doing some kind of a sales call training exercise. And I just wasn't, I wasn't getting it. And, and I was getting frustrated. And I broke down in tears in front of all these people. And the guy trainer asked me what was wrong. And I said, I just can't mess this up. This is the last opportunity I'm ever going to get. And he walked me through it. And I didn't mess it up. And I started at that job. And at the time, I was living in somebody's attic, and it was cold in that attic. It was not insulated. I had a tiny heater, which did nothing. I was sleeping under four or five blankets. I barely ate, but I, I came to that job every day. And I remember my manager, Glenn, he showed me a W-2, said he made $167,000. I had never seen anything like it, man. Like, wow, this guy made that money doing this? And every day... I would make, you know, 150, 200 or more cold calls every day. Hello, this is Michael. I'm with blah, blah, blah. I'm calling a reference to your property at 123 Main Street, blah, blah, blah. I would say the same thing all day, every day. I was dedicated. I became my first month out. I was one of the top members of my team. But then I eventually fizzled out. And I remember they brought, I was having a meeting and they brought that AV card in and they had the secret. And I remember sitting in the dark watching that with everybody and thinking, this, this is so stupid. This doesn't work. And this guy told me, I was struggling. He said, why don't you say an affirmation like, I am success and I am abundance. And I started saying that all day, every day, in the shower, in the car. I just got in enough pain because that's where success comes from, in my experience, is pain. There's got to be motivation from somewhere. And I started doing well again. I was living in an apartment. A person I was living with wasn't paying the bills. The lights would get shut off frequently. I would be sitting in the bathroom eating dinner on the sink because the toilet was a chair and the sink was a table because we had no furniture. It was just, but I just kept going to work every day. I knew someday this was going to get better. Eventually, I, uh, you know, drinking got a hold of me and I ended up losing that job. But I got the job back later. And I struggled for about a year, but I just kept coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And a lot of people had a lot of advantages at this job that I did not have because I wasn't really friends with anybody. I wasn't, you know, in the in crowd there. But the way I see it, I remember listening to Earl Nightingale's The Strangest Secret. And he quotes, I believe, James Allen, who says, the man who gets on this world is the man who finds the circumstances he wants. And if he cannot find them, he creates them. So I began to find ways to have business come to me. And I became very, 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 very successful. My first year out, I think I made $78,000 my first full year, which was like a million dollars to me at that time. And over time, I became the top member, the top salesperson in the company year after year after year first place second place top five number one over and over and over again i eventually built a team of people that worked for me an assistant a couple telemarketers and no matter what anybody said i always disproved everybody the way i looked at it is it's already happened it's just waiting for me to show up 
and I would write goals and I would crush goals all day, every day. And it was one of the most amazing times of my life. It was also one of the most painful times, honestly, because I chased money a lot. And I find that that's not really uh, the prescription for happiness that life proposes it to be growing up. But I did huge. And I went from living in somebody's attic to having my own home. And I went from blowing through tolls because I didn't have change in my car because I scoured my car so deeply for change for cigarettes and hamburgers and stuff like that to owning my own home. I eventually built uh, an investment property portfolio and I ended up getting rid of those places because it didn't work out. I made millions of dollars in the mortgage business and I moved up in my company and eventually I uh, decided to strike out my own and start my own team at a different mortgage company. And I did really well with that. And I was able to teach people what was taught to me, which was something I always wanted to do. I always wanted a purpose. I was so grateful for this career that I was given that I wanted to give it to somebody else. And I was able to do that. And eventually I, some things happened, transpired, and I got fired. And within an hour, my entire team walked out the door and the computers didn't work anymore. And I was all alone. And I eventually got another job I sat in a card table in a hallway at an office in Maryland, an hour away from my house with a laptop, a credit card, and a dream. And that dream was to open my own branch, my own thing, man. And then nothing was working out, nothing. I couldn't rent an office. I couldn't get people to work for me. I was just wondering, like, what is going on here? How come nothing is working out for me? And then I think it was like March of 2020, COVID came through, and I ended up in my attic working in my attic in my house, I, you know, started out in an attic again, just like before my attic was finished. So it was a little different, but I built my branch in my attic during COVID with a laptop, a credit card and a dream. And I eventually rented an office and hired a couple people and hired a few more people. And I had 13 people under me and I was able to teach people what was taught to me. And I was able to be successful again in the mortgage business, no matter what. And I'm somebody, I'm on the blacklist at McDonald's on George Street in New York. I'm ineligible for rehire at the George Street McDonald's. I don't know if anybody knows what exactly that means, but you can't be much more worthless than that. And I became a top member of almost every company I've ever worked for. And last year, the mar between the market and quite honestly, some bad management decisions, I lost all of my team and i had to give that office back i had to buy the lease out and currently i'm standing alone in an office and it may seem like failure but i'm still here most of the mortgage business has been pushed out and yet i am still here and i always just look at it like it's already happened and it's just waiting for me to show up and i don't know what else to say i just i'll give it to kyle i guess <laughs> I don't know what else to say. No, you're good, man. That was that was quite the background. Um, I mean, a few things stood out very, you know, you and I are both very like-minded people. We've both had struggles with alcohol, whatever. Um, but you know, it's 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 definitely a a story that is very we'll say apropos uh for entrepreneurship, right? We we start with a dream, we start out a struggle. And from that struggle, from that, that work, we really learn a lot. Um, and I can't even tell you how 
I know we don't have video on, but I was smiling away when you said that they had you watch The Secret. Um, because that's probably the very, the very first, uh, I guess you can call it self-help book that I, I ever read. Um, and I read it back when I was a teenager. Uh, maybe not a teen, a little, maybe a little early 20s, maybe. Um, and back then, I, it was kind of like you. I was like, what is this stuff, right? Like, this isn't, this isn't real. This isn't going to work. Um, and you know, everybody's still got their own feelings on it, but you, you transition that into the affirmations. And, and if there's anybody that knows the power of positive thinking, it's, it's me. I mean, my positivity, my optimism, my positive mindset and stuff and affirmations have really gotten me through a ton, uh, and they still are. Um, but you said something that I thought was, was awesome. And that's that you you still have the mindset of it's already happened it's just waiting for me to show up and that's amazing so what you know you you've you struggled you've succeeded you've struggled you've succeeded now you're back to struggle how do you you know what is what does building back look like for you i mean right now i'm just kind of it's a good question man i'm not really sure i mean right now i'm kind of just taking it easy i I've made so many, I know this is a, uh, you know, we're talking about success and stuff like that, but a lot of the time, you know, success, the road to success is paved with basically the broken glass of dreams. Sometimes, you know, the, the broken glass that sticks in the bottom of my feet, that makes them bleed, that makes the journey all that much harder. And my broken glass was, I came into this whole management role and I've never managed anybody. I can barely manage my own life at one point, right? And now I'm in charge of managing other people. And I thought that managing just means, hey, I'm going to tell you what to do, quite frankly. And I'm going to try to, the best advice I ever got was, you don't work for me, I work for you. My job is to help you, to give you the tools to be successful. And I thought as long as I gave people tools, it would be okay. But the problem is I made a lot of bad management decisions because I just... I'm very sensitive, I'm very emotional, and I could be very passionate. And at times that passion can segue itself into negativity and aggression. Mm -hmm. And I had I had a lot of uh, a lot of problems. And so right now I'm kind of just here and I don't know what my next move is gonna be. I know that whatever I put my mind to, I'm gonna be successful. And I'm thinking about being a life coach. Actually, I paid for the classes. I'm not thinking about it. It's something I'm doing. Oh, that's and awesome. yeah, man. And I'm going to do it while, while I'm here, while I'm here writing mortgages. This is what I'm good at. <laughs> it's, you know, there's, there's always, you know, like, like you said, the, the road to success is often paved by, you know, the broken glass of dreams. Um, and, and I think that you brought up a really good, point for for our listeners today and that's that you mentioned about how you had that manager and your management style is now you're not here to work for me i'm here to work for you right and that's something that i really really like to hear because when it comes to leadership and management the best managers i've had the best leaders that i've known were always like that it seemed like they put my success and the other people's success before their own Right. And at the end of the day, a company is only as good as its employees. And if you're working with a company or working for a company that 
doesn't place their employees before a lot of things, those employees aren't going to be happy. They're not going to want to go out there and work hard for you. They're not going to want to go out there and, and bust their butts for, um, you know, for the betterment of the company. So I think that's really, really good. Uh, can you talk about maybe one, one manager or one leader in particular that really had a big impact on your life and why? Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest impact that has been had in my life by a manager is a guy named Gary. I'm not going to say his last name because I don't have his permission, but <laughs> that guy, you know, we, we had a lot of disagreements, but he taught me so much about how to be a loan officer. And he just, he always had these sayings like, one of them was, um, it's not an objection until they say it's an objection. You know, some aspect of the transaction would change and I would have to go to these people and tell them, hey, look, the rate went up for one reason or another. And I'd be like, I can't tell these people. What am I going to do? And he said, look, it's not an objection until they say it's an objection. He would say things like, run to the problem, not from the problem. He would say things like, it sucks to have to work, but it doesn't have to suck to go to work. And... This guy, he just, he taught me a lot, man. I just watched this man who, who had a similar background to me, just build things from the bottom up. And he also had a lot of problems and companies would get shut down on numerous occasions that he ran. And I was, I would always stick with him and I'd watch him build it up again. And that guy was just the most, one of the most successful people and one of the smartest people I ever met in my life. And he wasn't always the best to deal with my current manager is significantly easier to deal with to be honest <laughs> he's really who i should have talked about but this guy gary i actually have all the quotes i ever got from him i have him framed on my wall because what he's taught me has meant so much oh i love it so I love, yeah it's you know success in entrepreneurship and, and and in life i mean you know your personal life you had your struggles with alcoholism i have have mine i'm a firm believer in uh a turning point for me was when i i was able to finally really admit that i'm always going to be an alcoholic right i may be able to be sober for the rest of my entire life but i'll be an alcoholic until the day i die because i know that the second i don't consider myself that is the second i pick up a drink and we know how that ends um you know that that struggle it hasn't always been easy and that's it's a journey. I mean, everything's a journey from substance abuse and recovery to entrepreneurship. And I think it's great that you're, you know, you're, you're committed to the rebound. And again, I, I think it comes back to that, um, that quote that you said that, you know, it's already happened. I just haven't shown up for it yet. It's just waiting for me to show up. But I, that's really, really profound. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely absolutely love that i think that's incredible so i mean maybe that's a good question so what when will you know or how will you know that you showed up it's, it's funny that you say that there was this other guy ralph lavulo they call him the mortgage godfather and they paid him at this company i work for in maryland to show up and whip everybody into shape and he told us all to write 30-day, six-month, one-year, and five-year goals. And I thought, well, that's stupid, you know? But I did it, right? I've been there. And 
And one day, years later, you know, I went from living in somebody's attic, years later living in my own home, and I was looking in the closet for something. I don't remember what. And I found my five-year goals uh, from that, from years earlier, man. And I started looking them over, and I realized that I had accomplished every one of those goals down to the car I drove. I didn't even remember that the car I had was the car that was on that list until I looked at it again. And how do I know when I'm there? I mean, when it's happening right in front of me, man, when I can do something like look at that piece of paper and see that it has happened. I just put goals in front of me and I was taught a long time ago from motivational speakers, never lose sight of the finish line. So I've just never lost sight of the finish line, man. Can I constant and never ending improvement? Just like Tony Robbins says, you know, I love it. So here's a a topic that I, I don't think I've ever really explored on my podcast. Uh, and I don't think it's one that I've ever heard anybody else explore either. And that's what draws people to public speakers and, and motivational speakers. So what, tell me about your experience with that. Like what, what brought you to, like you just said, Tony Robbins, I know you were at the success summit, but what, what draws you to that? What drew me to that was again, this, this mortgage company I worked for in Maryland in 2006, in the conference room, they had a little bookshelf. Um, actually, it was a cabinet, my apologies, with a lock on it, with a clear front. And it was these CDs and books and stuff, success stuff. And you could ask the human resources person to open it up and you can borrow something. And they had like a sheet to write down um, you know, who it is and what they're borrowing and you can bring it back and get another one. And I got Tony Robbins' Awaken the Giant on cd and i actually still have it because i never bought it back (laughs) um but i remember listening to that man and it starts with him talking about like flying on a helicopter to like speak at some success summit style thing and i really like those cds and what i started to do this is before youtube this is before a lot of social media and stuff like that anytime i would get gift cards for christmas i would buy motivational cds books on tape speakers zig ziglar brian tracy my favorite of all time is les brown and i would i had a hundred mile drive a day 50 miles one way 50 miles the next and brian tracy and zig ziglar they talk about turning your vehicle into a mobile university and i turned my cadillac at that time into a mobile university and i listened to them all the way to work and all the way home and that that i have i don't know if you remember kyle those big binders Mm-hmm. In the 90s and early 2000s i have a huge one of those still to this day nothing but those cds That's and they one of those binders sitting right in front of me <laughs> changed my life man and then obviously you know youtube and stuff and i started looking up speakers and i saw tony robbins live and i uh, i don't know if that answers your question but no, no it, it's it, just it does. um you know what what really drew me into the the podcasting scene and the the motivational speaking scene um, was, uh, I, I struggled really, really hard after my little brother passed away. Uh, and this would have been about five years ago now. And I, I still have trouble. Um, but when he passed, that's when my alcoholism really, really, really kicked up. And I was selling telecom, uh, in the business, to business space. And I was driving down the road. I think I was on route 30. Um, and for some reason, I just decided to start listening to, um, excuse me, um, Ted talks 
and I, I just, I think I had some Ted talk playlist on Spotify on shuffle or something. I don't know. And there was a short about 12 to 15 minute talk um, called you don't move on from grief. You move forward with grief. And it was all about this, this woman who was married. She was so in love with her husband and they had kids together or at least one kid together. And he passed away suddenly of brain cancer or a brain tumor. I'm not sure which. And it was just such a powerful, powerful talk. And I, I had to, it was so powerful that like, I, I honestly pulled over and just like ugly scream cried for a good 45 minutes. And it really pushed me and, and catapulted me into that that space of there are people out there telling these stories that can really help me. And then as I learned, I pay, I parlayed that into my business and making as much impact as I could and being very open and vulnerable about myself. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. It's, it's funny how these things work. And you, you mentioned Zig Ziglar, you mentioned Tony Robbins, Tracy. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so how many, how many summits or public speakers have you actually seen in person? I mean, I've only ever seen Tony Robbins and I went to yours. I've always tried to see like Jeffrey Gittimer and Les Brown. Mm -hmm. They seem to, these shows will kind of pop up. And then yeah. by the time I Google it, it like happened yesterday. <laughs> um, it, it drives me nuts. I have watched a lot of motivational speakers on YouTube. My favorite of which, of course, is Les Brown. Yeah, yeah, YouTube's a fantastic, fantastic outlet. Um, I think one of the most impactful speeches I've ever seen was not live, um, but was Ed Milet, The Power of One More. And, uh, you know, you and I were, well, obviously I was there, obviously you were there at the Success Summit uh, when, when David Gatto took the stage for his very, very first time public speaking and just brought the house down i mean his energy his story i've you know for the having the success summit for two years in a row i've had some pretty cool people some really awesome stories and you know everyone was there for sammy knight last year and but but david i mean my god i mean people were laughing people were crying and it's just a, a testament to how impactful people's stories can be, which is why I wanted to, to bring you on because you came up to me. You had the balls to come up to me and be like, hey, you ever need a speaker? I've got a story to tell. So I was like, all right, let's let's see what he's got on the podcast. And you've got a great story. It's fantastic. You know, and that's one of those things that I really want to harp on my visitors for about is every single person has a story. And that story deserves to be told like you deserve to tell the world your story and the world deserves to hear your story so i mean it's it's public speaking and motivational speaking can be such a powerful thing um how about the best motivational or self-help book that you've read have you are you are you a big reader i used to be a big reader i'm a, a little less of a reader now than i used to be but Video games have kind of sucked up my attention, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but my favorite book ever, the most impactful book I ever read was probably 
I really enjoyed the success principles by Jack Canfield. Okay. Uh, talks a lot about making space in the universe. Right. And, and the best example I could come up with for myself is, and Kyle, I know you have it right now. I have it too. Everybody that's listening right now has this go in your closet and you have a bag. And in that bag is a receipt for a cell phone and a receipt for a cell phone case. And then that bag is the box your cell phone came in. And that has been sitting there for at least 12 months in your closet. And that <laughs> is taking up space in the universe, believe it or not. And so what I learned from him was once a year, I go through all my stuff, throw my receipts away, clean my car out. And I find that it makes room in the universe for new things. And that's one of the, one of the things I got out of, out of that book. I think everybody in the world should read that book at least once. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, you may have just given me an idea for an, for an episode. Um, but yeah, that, that power of, of making space, getting rid of stuff, you know, I've, I, I've tried to shed a lot uh, of, over the past half a year, year. Uh, and it, it is powerful. It's, it's cathartic. You know, you're, you're letting go of the old and kind of making space and, and welcoming the new. That's that's awesome, man! What a good what a good episode so far. I'm glad you glad you decided to come on. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it's it, it really is important for people to to talk and tell their story. And many people have come to me and said, you know, you're going through the the big D and and all this other stuff. Are you afraid that that anything you say is going to be used against you in a negative way? And you know, that, that answer is not really, um, you know, I'm an open book. I'm, I have no problem admitting the negative things that I have done, the negative choices that I have made, especially the ones that have harmed other people. Um, but the reason I'm so open about that stuff is my thought process is that if even one person is positively impacted by me being open, me being vulnerable and being an open book, then it's worth it, right? Like you're not proud of your, your alcoholism or your substance abuse, but somebody listening today could hear that and be like, well, shit, if Mike can do it, I can too. Mike is vulnerable enough and humble enough to talk about this in a very public forum. Um, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're sitting at, I think, 76,000 downloads. And and that takes wow. that takes balls, and it, it that sh that needs to be commended. I'll, I'll never knock anybody for getting up and telling their story, and that's exactly what you did here today. Yeah, it's always important to it's always help me to hear somebody else's story, you know, because you got the I've 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 lived most of my life with what's been called by many the onlyness of loneliness. Ooh. Where you just think you're the only one that's ever been through anything because it's so oh, personal gosh. to me, right? I, and I think to, so many people do that. And it's just really, it's really good to hear somebody's story. And, you know, stupid example, I was up at uh, a couple of years ago, I was up at Hawk Mountain. And uh, the last bit of it, you're literally like rock climbing, basically, with no equipment. And I was like, I, I was with my buddy Jim, and I was like, I can't do this, dude. He's like, well, you got to do it, you know what I mean? Because I'm gonna leave you here if you don't. And and I I just watched this man who was shorter than me, heavier than me, and in less of a shape than I was in. Mm -hmm. And I saw him climb that, and I was like, 
if he can do it, I can do it. Exactly. And it was really scary, but I did it. It was small, you know, small thing, but it, oh man, it's very good to see that things are possible. A real quick story. There's a guy, I don't know which motivational speaker it was, but he talks about how we're all made up of the same cells. So quite literally, if someone can do something, so can you. So that's, that's that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of those things, right? And, I, and I've talked about this a lot on my podcast and, and with clients and stuff that I, when I was taking on clients. Um, you know, one of the most powerful uh, realizations for me was when, you know, growing up, we all we've always heard it, right? Our parents, you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything that you put your mind to. And, you know, at, at a certain point, a lot of people think that that is bullshit, right? We, they, at, at a certain point, for some reason, people will sit there and say, well, you know, I could have done this. I wanted to do this, but I, I just can't. These barriers are in place. I need to go start a family. I need to go do this. I need to go do that. Um, but the power really is when you realize that your parents were right, that you really can do anything that you put your mind to. And that was, that was huge for me. And there's, I still have people today. I, I know people that are in their late fifties, sixties, whatever. And they're like, yeah, I, I realized I wanted to do something and I went out and I did it. So, and, and again, I do like that you're, you mentioned the onlyness of loneliness because I mean, we've all, I think it's human nature to think that when we go through struggle, we're the only ones struggling, you know, and how could anybody else know my story? How could anybody else know what it's like to go through this? When in reality, a, a billion people have probably gone through it. And there's, there's that safety in numbers. There's that safety in camaraderie. So Mike, we're coming up at the end of the episode here. Um, where can you be found at? Where can people reach at? And they can call me. They can see me on Facebook. I mean, you can email me or whatever people want to do. My Facebook is Michael Patrick. You'll see a picture of me smoking a cigar in that picture. <laughs> um, I have I have Michael Patrick Cotter. That's on Facebook, my mortgage page. Um, they can call me if they want, 717-424-6327. I will help anybody, anytime, anywhere. Awesome. I love it. Mike, one piece of advice you want to leave the audience with? One piece of advice that I want to leave the audience with. Well, I guess the best thing I can say is uh, Wayne Dyer talks about don't die with your music still in you. One of the wealthiest and richest places in the whole universe is the graveyard because that is where dreams go to die. Les Brown talks about when you're laying in your deathbed and your dreams surround you and they say to you, we came to you to fulfill us, to accomplish us what happened? Why didn't you? And I'll tell you what, man, you're either going to die in the bleachers or you're going to die playing on the field. And I'm going to die playing. When I go to my grave, there's not going to be anything left because I'm going to do it all. And that's the best advice I can give anybody. Awesome. Mike, thanks for stopping by to my listeners. I will see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on slaying the sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com, and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. 
Then head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale.